Welcome to Shadow Work. What the fuck? If you've been thinking, uh, what the fuck is Shadow Work and how does it help me? You're in the right place. This is your go-to podcast that will answer all your questions as well as give you the tools to dig into your shadow so you can set yourself free from the bullshit holding you back and finally start manifesting that juicy as fuck life I know you've been dreaming of. I'm your host, Caitlin Hosking, the shadow work queen and coach to fierce as fuck women who want to heal their shit so they can drop the self-sabotage and take control of their futures. I know shadow work can feel a little bit scary, so if you're new here, don't stress. I'm here to demystify the spook and bring some fun to the heavy. So get ready to learn, cry, laugh, and finally understand why the fuck you do what you do so you can quit playing small and start manifesting those big dreams. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hello, hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of Shadow Work. What the fuck? Today, we are speaking about all things binge drinking. But before I get into that, I just wanted to remind you guys, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, this is where I spoke about this more, but I have changed some things in the Instagram world. So if you follow me for a lot of shadow work or healing work around self-sabotage, the unworthiness stuff, the people pleasing things, and you're wanting to really go deeper into that healing piece and coming home to yourself and fulfillment and general shadow work, then I've created a whole new page that is dedicated just to that. And that is now called shadow work retreats. So I will be, yes, sharing all things about the shadow work retreats that I run, which is all about that side of the work that I do. So they're all trauma informed. It's where we are really going into old patterns and inner child and healing those shadows and overcoming a lot of things so you can find that sense of fulfillment and wholeness within you and on the Instagram page that's where I will be giving you the tools and things that you can just start to implement at home now so if you're really wanting a big like all of not a big but like all of that sort of stuff then go follow shadow work retreats complete by Caitlin has now transformed into business shadow work certification and money chats okay so i'm posting all things to do with those three topics on complete by caitlin so if that's not your vibe right now that's not where you're at then feel free just to go over to shadow work retreats if that's a place you're wanting to go to and you're wanting to keep talking about money and business or you're interested in becoming a shadow work coach then make sure you follow both pages because you're going to get so much from both, but I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, if you're like, why am I saying so much like business and money stuff now? Like I want to hear about the other things. I have created a whole space for you. Okay, let's get into binge drinking. I wanted to talk about binge drinking because this is something I really struggled with. Like if you talk to any of my friends, I don't know how you would talk to them, but <laughs> if you ever did run into someone who happened to randomly know me from school, I was the one who was like always drinking. I would always overdo it. I would say I'm going to have one and then I would have 20. I was drinking basically every day. I could be drunk for days on end. Like I was relentless when it came to alcohol. And it was one of the hardest things for me to give up. And that being said, I haven't given it up either. So I've had periods of my life now where I've completely cut out alcohol. I've gone, you know, six months without drinking, all of those things. I am just at the point where I have gotten in such good control of myself around alcohol by doing a lot of this healing work that I'm going to speak to today that I can literally just have one drink and it's fine. So my goal was actually never, I didn't actually want to give up alcohol. I like having a drink. I like the taste of wine and all of that sort of stuff, but it was just like, 
this voice in my head when I would start drinking was just like, just keep going, just keep going, push, push, like just keep drinking another one, one more. And I would try to get like everyone else involved as well and like push them to keep drinking. I was like the peer pressure person as well. I was just a ball of fun, wasn't I? Anyway, um, and like it was just out of fucking control and it felt like this big Mount Everest that I could never, I could never just like make it a little thing. And not only did I have all of that playing out when I was drinking and all the things, I, I got all of the guilt afterwards. So I'd wake up in the morning and just feel horrendous, not just because I was hungover, but the anxiety and the guilt of me going, why did I do that? Why did I drink so much? I said I wouldn't drink like this. Like, what is wrong with me? And I would just spiral completely out of control, which usually led to me drinking again, <laughs> even though I'd promised myself, I'm not going to drink again five minutes later, not quite five minutes later, but the next day or even that evening, as soon as I started to feel physically well, I would end up with another glass of wine and off we went again. So that was me. That was me. I was known for it. And leaving that, like it became such a part of my identity. And I want to say that as well. There is the reasons we start drinking, then the reasons we keep drinking, and then the reasons it's really hard to stop drinking. And if we have been drinking for a long time and we associate our identity or people associate us with a certain identity around something that it's harder to let it go because that's people's perception of us and that's our own perception of ourselves. So when we're doing shadow work around this, we need to start to unwind all of that stuff in order for us to shift gears and be okay with people being like, oh, she's not actually drinking right now or she's only going to have one. Let's not invite her to be like the center of the party or the one who's going to be drinking all the things because that's going to help you massively in your future. Because when you have people like with that perception of you and they're always inviting you out, hey, you want to drink? You want to go to a club? You want to do this? You want to go to the pub? You want to do it? And you're like so used to saying yes, it's fucking hard. Yeah. But let's get into the shadow work perspectives around this of why we drink in the first place or why we keep drinking to that level. And when I'm sharing today, I am really going to be sharing through my personal experience and also what I've seen while interweaving the shadow work stuff. So the first thing that I really became interested in when I wanted to stop drinking after I had attempted, you know, the many, many attempts of just like forcing myself to stop, which never fucking panned out. But when I got serious about it, I had been learning about the coaching things. I had a coach and I was listening to podcasts and I started to see things a little differently through something else I had learned from my coaching certification, which was all around secondary gain. And secondary gain is basically like when someone doesn't give something up, even when they know it's bad for them, they are gaining something from it that is not obvious. And that was actually one of the, I don't know, first or second coaching sessions that I ever learned to take someone through. And so I was looking at my own habit around alcohol and I was like, I must be getting something out of this then because I keep saying I want to quit, but I ain't doing it. <laughs> and when I asked that question, it's, it really started to open up a whole new world for me and a world that I very deeply understand 
after all of the trauma work that has come out from Gabor Mate and people like that, that alcohol is never about alcohol or any addiction is never about the substance that they are using. That substance is just a symptom of a different problem. And so we need to understand what the actual problem is. And when it comes to substance, it is allowing people to do, be, or feel something that they're not getting to feel in their day-to-day life. So when I was sitting with this many years ago, I was like, well, what is it? Like, what do I love about drinking? And this is still a question I love to ask myself. It comes from the book Existential Kink and listen or read that um, (laughs) when you are ready for it. It's a very intense shadow work book, but she looks at patterns in a way of if you say you hate a pattern instead of saying you hate it which doesn't give you any information say well what do I what do I love about it and you're going to get a lot of information because there's going to be little bits and pieces and that question reveals your secondary gain so I asked myself what do I love about drinking and I loved a lot of things about it okay so I love that I became very social I became loud I was allowed to dance. I was allowed to flirt more. Um, I was singing. I just felt free. Like I had such a feeling of freedom just to do, be whatever I wanted. And I didn't have that in my day-to-day life. I didn't feel like I could access that freedom in my day-to-day life, particularly back then. I felt like things were very hard. I had relationships that were extremely controlling. I had an ego that was extremely controlling. It was telling me I had to be and act a certain way. I had to be quiet. Everyone fucking thinks you're weird. Don't say that. Don't be like that. Don't do it. Like there was just so many rules around me being sober. Yeah. Or when I was sober, it wasn't necessarily me being sober, but like when I was sober, my ego and my mind was so strong with all of that negative self-talk that I just felt really trapped. And it's very interesting because my, all of my work in my life has been around freedom for myself. And that's what I've always wanted to give others as well is like, I want you guys to walk away and have a sense of freedom. And it's funny because back in the day when I was using alcohol, like that's how I was getting that met. And now I get it met through my business. And that's a big piece of this. Yeah. So once you have identified what is it that I am getting from drinking, then we want to go, well, how can I get that in my life? So with the freedom stuff, for example, and It's not just with drinking, this can be binge eating, this can be any substance, right, that you are using to basically escape or sabotage your life, is what am I getting from it? And then starting to cultivate that in your life in other ways. So if I'm not feeling freedom and I'm getting that from drinking, I go, well, what in my life feels constrictive? Constrictive. I was trying to, I was like, contractive, contracting or constrictive? Anyway, we're there, constrictive. (laughs) What in my life feel con- feels constrictive? And I had to start to change all of those things and start to embody what would freedom look like in my life. And the more I started to embody that, then I didn't need alcohol as much anymore because it wasn't giving me the key to unlock that feeling. So from a shadow work perspective, Ego is running, ego and my trauma is running and it is driving me to make certain decisions. 
And it's saying, if you don't, if you're not in a relationship with this person, if you don't do this thing, if you don't dress that way, if you're not like this, then everyone's going to reject you. Everyone's going to fucking hate you. And I'm like, okay, because <laughs> I'm not aware of this back then. I'm just like, okay. And I am like on autopilot, autopilot acting a certain way. Then when I drink alcohol, it's like, imagine I'm like a locked up car and the engine's off and like, you can't get the key in the ignition because you do not have the keys normally. So when I drink alcohol, it's like someone comes up with the key, they put the key in the car, they unlock it, they put the key in the ignition. And I'm like, holy shit, I am free to drive wherever I want. I can do whatever I want because alcohol has now shut down that part of my brain and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and that's what made it fun and exciting. Yeah. Another piece of this is it often starts with that and like that keeps exacerbating it. But our whole identity can start to become formed around alcohol. And that's what our friendships are also based on because most people are doing this, especially if you hang out with people who drink a lot, they are using alcohol to give them something and they probably don't understand that. But if all of your identity is based around that and you're hanging out in those environments all the time, it not only becomes like so, so, so unconscious that you're making this decision that you just, you just think that you're just picking up some alcohol and drinking. <laughs> it also is habitual. And so you feel that in your body. Yeah. You feel the urge to drink in your body. You can feel it in your hands. You can feel it in your heart rate. You can feel it when someone like offers you something. I remember someone when I was learning to say no to alcohol, someone would offer me a drink and the thought of saying no, like my heart would start racing. And I was like, oh my God, like, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? All of these sorts of things. And a big piece of being able to give up alcohol was learning to regulate myself. It was learning to regulate my emotions and to trust that I was going to be okay, even if my heart rate went up. Even if the cravings felt so strong that I was like going to kill people for alcohol. It wasn't quite that bad, but you know, you know what I mean? And so that self-regulation of, okay, whew, I can take a breath. I'm okay. I can go for a walk. If you need to leave the environment, that's okay. Regulating yourself when you leave the environment and all the FOMO comes up. Yes. Fear of missing out. <laughs> Cause that also makes our heart race. Cause we're like, what happens if I miss out on something and something amazing happens and I'm miserable at home and they're all having fun. <laughs> yeah. And learning to be okay with all of the feelings that come up is a big part of this journey. Okay. Because changing habitual responses in your body means you have to do something different because changing habitual response means you are changing the wiring. So what I mean by that is if you, I just use roads as an analogy, like car roads. I'm using a little car and road analogy today, aren't I? <laughs> but in our brain, we have all of these little neural pathways that fire and what fires together wires together. So something that keeps being fired. So a pattern that you keep repeating is a very strong neural pathway. So I think of this pathway like a main road in a capital city or a big city. 
And the government tends to put a lot of money and time and effort into these roads. They make sure they're nice. They clean up the potholes very quickly. They're like, yep, yeah, cool. So the roads are very drivable. They're the easy option to take. Generally, we don't want to drive our cars on roads filled with potholes. So out in the, you know, the outback or <laughs> wherever you live, if you don't have the outback like we do here in Australia, um, or in the forest or the bush or whatever you want to call it, those roads tend to not have any tarmac on them. They're filled with potholes. Like no one really gives a shit about them. And so we look at them and we're like, mm, that feels really hard. And so we start driving the road and it feels very bumpy. And it might make us feel a little anxious because, you know, there's not really anyone on this road. And what happens if the car breaks down? And, you know, it's filled with all of that stuff. But if enough people started driving that road, sure enough, the government at some stage will come and they will put a nice tarmac you know, thing on top of it and everyone will want to drive that road and it will be very nice. This is the same thing happening in your brain, except for you are the government. <laughs> so you're like, I want to start driving down this new road that's going to feel really bumpy. And if that's a road of not over drinking and saying no to alcohol and acting different ways in your life in order to not need alcohol to act those ways, then it's going to feel bumpy for a while. It's not going to feel comfortable. But if you keep doing it, eventually your little government is like, oh, it's actually safe. Like this road is a safe road and it's put down the tarmac and it's like, you're like, okay, cool. Like this is actually the easiest road. And when you stop firing and wiring that old neural pathway around the identity of, oh, I'm the person who always drinks too much and... I have an addictive personality and all of those stories that you might be telling yourself that other people might've told you. And I say that because I come from a family that my mom always said, Oh, I've got an addictive personality. And so I took that on as I have an addictive personality too. And that's what I believed. And because I believed I had an addictive personality, that's my internal narrative and so when I would drink, I would have one drink. I'll be like, well, I have an addictive personality. And then I would just keep going. Whereas that's no longer my internal narrative. I'm like, I can choose that or I can actually control how I perceive myself and that'll change. But when I drove that road, if I have an addictive personality, I put everything to be an addict into it. And I was like, yep, that's just me. That's just me. That's how I perceive myself getting off that road Choosing a new road took time to wire because I wasn't used to it. But now that old wiring, that old road, no one drives it anymore. It's gone to shit. <laughs> it's got potholes. No one wants to drive it. The government doesn't give a shit about it anymore. So this work takes time. And the first thing that you need to do is identify what is alcohol giving me? Another thing it gave me, apart from like, Freedom's just like the overarching theme here for me. It was freedom to like just access those parts of me that weren't being accessed while I was sober. Okay. So those were things like vulnerability. And did any of you have like really deep and meaningful conversations after a few too many drinks with your, with your mates or maybe some random that you've never met and you're like crying together and you're having such a heart to heart and you're feeling all of the feels and you're like, that was the most beautiful conversation I've ever had. <laughs> but you never have that in your normal life. What you're craving there is deep, deep connection. And that can be cultivated in your life. Everything 
that you get from alcohol can be cultivated. Another one for me that used to come up was around being slutty. And when I would go and drink, it would unleash a part of me that was like my inner slut. And when I was sober, this part of me was very, very repressed. I would not dress in certain ways. I would not act in certain ways. I would not like be flirty in certain ways because I was so deeply afraid that people would see me or view me as slutty. And that felt really unsafe to me because of my upbringings. And when I would drink, that part of me would go for hell for leather. She was like, hell yeah, I would. I've run around places naked. I would wear really short dresses. I would wear really tall shoes. Like I would be dirty dancing on people. I would make out with people. I would sleep with people. Like I just wouldn't give a shit. But then when I was sober, I'd really put her down and I'd put myself down. And then when people would ask, oh, like, you know, what happened last night? I'd be like, it wasn't me. It was the alcohol. (laughs) I'm not that person. I'm not like that. From a shadow work perspective, we are, right? We are. And again, from a shadow work perspective, the more we suppress something, the, not the worst, but like it's going to be overcompensated for. And if you really suppress a lot of your sexuality and maybe the way you dress and you, you know, people perceive you and you're really afraid of being perceived as slutty, because it feels really unsafe to you, you, when you drink, what happens is an overcompensation. Not always, but a lot of the time, this can lead to you crossing your own values. And I don't mean like trauma values, <laughs> but for most of us, like we are monogamous, we may be in monogamous relationships and those sorts of things. And I would find that even though my value was to be loyal and monogamy and all of those things, that if I was suppressing this part so deeply, it would be when I would drink that I would end up cheating on my partners. And I held deep, deep shame around that. And it's a pattern that I've seen in others that I've spoken to, just with friends, with clients, with lots of things. And so if you find that you do cross your values when you drink and you're overcompensating with a part, this, this shadow work has to be done here. Because what's happening is like, imagine that this is a big beach ball that's like filled with air and you're like bobbing around in the water and you're trying to hold that beach ball down. And you're using so much energy when you are sober to hold it down. You're like, keep it there, keep it there. No one can see it. No one can judge this part of me. If I never show it, no one can ever see it. I know it's a part of me. I don't fucking like it. It's not there. It's not there. You're hiding it. You're hiding it. And then as soon as you drink, it's like all your all your defenses are down and that beach ball uh, beach ball is like pop hello and you're like damn it now everyone can see the fucking beach ball but I'm just gonna blame it on the alcohol it wasn't me <laughs> but it was you and it's acknowledging that that is a part of you and for the word slut like I know that this is a very culturally uh, I don't really have a word for it but like people just like ugh hate that word especially around women because it's used to put women down it's used to actually repress us sexually because if we get called a slut it means it basically the connotation is you're dirty and that's fucking not okay that's not okay so let's reclaim the word for starters and realize that 
being a slut isn't bad and it's only bad if you perceive it as bad and it can be used in a really healthy way. Yeah, so just like any word or trait or aspect of you can be resourceful or unresourceful, this is same with all of the work that you'll do around drinking. So by reclaiming the slut, it's like, how do I want to use this part of me? What would it give me the freedom to express her in the way that feels good for me? For me, I'm like crossing my own values and boundaries and cheating relationship. That doesn't feel good for me. That doesn't feel good for the people I'm around or anything like that. So that's a no. But what's a yes is sometimes I'd really like to wear sexy clothing. Sometimes I want to give my partner a lap dance. Sometimes I want to be a little bit more flirty. Sometimes I want to put on sexy music and just like touch myself and self-pleasure. So I start to do all of those things in really healthy ways to allow this part to come out in a healthy expression. If she continues to come out in unhealthy expressions, it means that there's other things that need to be done in order to keep it healthy. This is why we do shadow work. Because the only time something is unhealthy for you and is crossing your values and your boundaries or you're needing a substance to allow it to come out is because it's so deeply suppressed and you're not allowing it any space, any fucking space. Another example of this, actually, it just came into my mind. I wasn't thinking of sharing it, but it was just like such an obvious one as well. And I'm going to take away from the um, sex conversation and move it somewhere else to something that might uh, click for you. So I lived in Canada when I was like 16 years old and I had a really good friend and his mom was an alcoholic. And when she was sober, her house would be like spotless, absolutely spotless. Everything was in its place. The house was always clean all of those sorts of things. But then when she was drinking, it was just like everything would, it was like topsy-turvy. It's like the world, the house got put on its head and there would be stuff everywhere and nothing would be clean. And her her personality would like completely switch. So instead of being like really prim prop, prop, (laughs) prim and proper, she would swear, which she would never swear when she was sober. She would just not really give a shit about things. Like it was a total opposite. And so for someone like that, what we would be looking at is going, okay, these parts of you that are coming up, it's things like being messy, being inappropriate. How can you allow yourself to be messy and inappropriate anyway? So we don't need to use substances to keep unlocking those things. Yeah. Other things that people tend to get is around relaxation and switching off. So if you're someone who tends to really crave a drink after work and you don't want to do that anymore, it's generally because that gives you access to like chilling out time. So you've got to find other ways. How can I relax without alcohol? How can I learn to turn my mind off? Obvious one is meditation. (laughs) And if you're like, but Caitlin, my brain doesn't switch off that fast. It is a practice. It is a practice, okay? It's like you don't go into the gym and lift 100 kilos off the floor the very first time you walk in. You train yourself to get to that point. Your brain is exactly the same. You have to train it, which means you're going to have to have a little patience and a little compassion because if you're 
it's kind of like a threshold we have. And if we surpass that threshold for what we can cop in one day, then we will go back to old patterns that make, give us that feeling again. So for example, if I back in the day, like this is just not me at all anymore. Like I just don't need to do this. But back in the day when I was starting to like change these patterns and not need to drink anymore and all of that sort of stuff, then it, I was kind of like the drink bottle analogy actually. So I would have my drink bottle and my drink bottle is my analogy for my nervous system. And if my nervous system was like completely at capacity and I was feeling really overwhelmed and I had like surpassed my threshold of me being able to kind of regulate myself and stay calm, then it's in those moments, which I'm very sure that you know these ones, where you're like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I just don't care anymore. Just give me the fucking thing, whatever. So that's where the compassion comes in because it takes time to be able to get to the point where you can just say no and really sit with that without getting completely overwhelmed or for when you are overwhelmed to have a different behavioral response. That's the next piece here. Don't just take something away without replacing it. I had a client box me recently and she wants to cut down on alcohol. And she was like, should I go to this event? Should I not go to an event? Whatever. And I coached her through this. Her answer was, I'm not going to go because it's just not in my highest good. Amazing. What I then said to her was make sure, because I know that she struggles with FOMO. So I said, make sure you have something in place that's going to make your weekend still fun. Because a lot of the time we take something away like alcohol or like food or whatever it is. And if that is giving us a feeling of like fun, freedom, whatever, and we don't cultivate that, then we're going to get the FOMO. We're going to feel like, fuck, I should have just gone. I'm so bored. I'm sitting at home. All I feel is miserable. And we're having all of this pain associated to not doing the thing. And all we remember is all the pleasure associated with all the fun that we've had while doing the thing. So we need to make sure that we are wiring our brains and our nervous system to go, cool, I can still have fun. I can still have freedom. I can still do that. So replacing those moments going, I have a backup plan for when this hits me or, you know, whatever it is. So here's what you're going to do. Okay. Number one, you're going to identify what does alcohol give you? What is it giving you? What's the secondary gain here? Number two, do the shadow work around why you don't allow that when you are sober. So if it is being messy, if it is being loud, if if it's being slutty, if it's being... whatever it is, right? We'll just go with those ones. Go, what am I afraid of people judging within me around this? What am I judging within myself? Where do those judgments come from? Then meet that part of you and then do all of the little bits and pieces around it to change that. Yeah, this is all the work I do with clients. We go in, we meet the part, we understand the part, we go into the childhood stuff, go on a big crazy adventure, and then we get all the answers we need. So that part of you, so just say it's like, I'm afraid of being seen as a slut. And I'm using this because, and I'm I'm kind of coming back to that example in particular, because it's such a charged word for most people. 
There's a lot of people like, I don't care if people think I'm messy. <laughs> okay. But so generally a lot of people care about it because it's very charged in society. So I'm going to use it because it's great shadow work piece. And for most women, that is what gets in the way of us being able to freely express ourselves sexually and alcohol tends to play a big role in that. So the word slut. If we go and we're working with that part and it's going, great, where has this come up in my life? What memories are associated? Who taught me all of that? All of that. Like, this is what I'm doing with clients. Then we're looking at that. We're changing the perspectives. We're also moving it through the body. I do a lot of body work. I do a lot of energy work, unconscious work while doing the mindset reframe work. It's a big, crazy adventure. (laughs) And then we get you to a place where you're like, I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay if people saw that within me because I'm okay because I see how I am that, how I can be that and how I can use that to actually help me. And I understand how suppressing that has helped me as well. So once you're in that place of being fully okay with it, which can happen, takes time, but it can happen. It will happen if you keep at it. Generally in my sessions, it's within the session. So within an hour, we do this. But if you're doing this by yourself, it may just take a little bit more time, especially with a very charged word like this. The next thing to do is go, okay, well, if I'm okay with this part, how can I allow myself to play with it more when I'm sober? Maybe you wear an outfit that's a little bit more judgy. Judgy? That wasn't the word. A little bit more, um, people might judge you more for it. Uh, I can't think of the word, but like sexy. We'll just go with sexy. How can I wear something that's a little bit more sexy? Or maybe I don't want to wear my top at the gym and I just want to wear my crop. Maybe I want to wear a dress that's a little bit tighter, a little bit shorter. Maybe I want to give my partner a lap dance. Yeah. Maybe I want to just go and dance sexy at the club without drinking. I've done that. Like that was one of the big things I used to do. I was like, I'm just going to go and dance anyway, because a big thing I got from drinking was dancing. I love to move my body and I didn't allow myself to do it when I was sober. And I got past that piece. And so I'll just go to the club and dance sober anyway. So you start to do those things and you cultivate that part of you in a really healthy way. So it's not suppressed and you also don't need to use it all the time. Yeah, there's going to be times where it's not so appropriate to wear certain clothing based on where you're at. And so it's not overexpressed. So you're just like, fine, like I just won't wear that today, but I can wear it tomorrow or in a different environment. The point of shadow work is that things become more flexible. You can be one thing. You could be like super conservative in one environment. You're traveling through Italy and visiting all the churches or you're overseas visiting temples or something. You're going to be a little bit more conservative because it's respectful to their culture. And then when you're at home in your free life in Australia, where we can basically do whatever the fuck we want, you're like, I'm going to be more slutty because <laughs> I can and I don't care. Yeah. And the last thing is regulating and rewiring your nervous system. I've already spoken to this a bit, but this is using your tools. It's learning to get a pause between a feeling and a response. 
So if you feel FOMO, you feel a craving, you feel something like that, instead of reacting immediately to grab the alcohol, call my friend, fuck it, I'm in the, I'm in the Uber. Like you're in the Uber before you even realize what happened. You're like, oh shit, I said I wasn't going to go, but here I am in the Uber. What had to happen? Yeah, so what we want to do is be able to create a bigger response time between feeling and response. And so this is the pause. And during that is all about regulating. So it's noticing, it's using your emotional intelligence. What am I feeling? Maybe you need to write down when you drink, what happens just before you're drinking? What's the, what are you noticing that leads up to it? Maybe it's stress. You get a lot of stress. Alcohol gives you the freedom. Okay. How do I feel when I'm stressed? I feel like frustrated and tired and exhausted. I'm just like, Oh, I just don't care. Like I just want to feel better. And you go, okay, that is information. When I feel like that, I need to go and do one of these other plans. That's going to give me that feeling of freedom. And to do that is the emotional intelligence to do that is the regulation of taking a breath is if you're feeling really frustrated Maybe you just need to go screaming to a pillow. Maybe you need to jump up and down. The other day I was feeling really frustrated about something. can't remember what. (laughs) And I was just like, and I just went into my bedroom and my partner was there. And I was like, I'm just going to have an anger release right now in front of you. And he was like, okay, I'm going to do it with you. And so we're like both got our pillows and we're on the bed. It's king bed. So we're not at risk to one another. And we're both like screaming and like hitting the pillows and just like letting out the frustration. And after that, I felt regulated. Oh, I don't need alcohol to give myself that freedom from feeling stressed anymore. I didn't need it at that moment, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's finding little things that are going to regulate you to be okay with a people judging you if it does come up and they say something because they're like, you're not here used to me or whatever they're going to say, taking a breath, being like, that's okay. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with all parts of me being okay with the FOMO, being okay with that your identity is going to have to change, which means your behavior is going to have to change. Your environment might need to change a little bit as well. And that's going to be really uncomfortable because it's going to feel unsafe to change things. So regulating and breathing and meditating and screaming into pillows and crying and having really beautiful support systems around you during these changes is just going to help give you everything you need to let all of this go and to get you into a space where it's okay to maybe have none or maybe just have one. Cool. That's everything on binge drinking. And I hope that you've gotten so much from this. And if you have loved it, please share with someone that you know, share it on your Instagrams, tag me, Complete by Caitlin, tag Shadow Work Retreats as well, and make sure you're following both of those pages. Or if you just want the trauma healing shadow work piece, then go follow Shadow Work Retreats. The other thing is like, I'm still going to talk about shadow work in Complete by Caitlin. I'm just going to be talking about it in different areas of your life. So that's just the business money coaching areas of your life and then the other stuff is all the other areas as well beautiful leave a review and i will talk to you all next week